Hey, it's Alahe. Today, we're bringing you the final episode in our series, Surviving to Graduation. This is in-depth reporting about how one school is grappling with community violence, and it's an intimate look at the toll this kind of violence takes on a school. We aired the first two episodes in our show earlier this week, so if you haven't heard them yet, please go back and listen. And just a warning, this episode contains descriptions of violence and explicit language. Okay, here's the show. The morning of graduation, Huguenot senior Tristan Bailey was feeling nervous. It was a day that wouldn't unfold the way anybody imagined. But this milestone was still a celebration. The butterflies were the good kind. I'm excited, though. Um, I'm only nervous because, like, you have to walk across the stage in front of a lot of people. Other than that, I'm excited. You're going to trip or something? I probably will. (laughs) I hope not. Don't say that. I hope not. During his senior year, two of his peers had passed away, including his childhood friend, Jaden Carter. But he was determined to graduate on a high note. I see it as a normal day, but I also see it as like a a day that's just about me, um, to keep it humble. The ceremony was at the Altria Theater in Richmond, one of the few venues in the city big enough to fit the hundreds of people expected that day. It's on the campus of Virginia Commonwealth University. We went through the side entrance to a large room under the stage, where administrators and students were getting ready. Everyone looked so happy. Hi. Hi, how are you doing? How are you feeling today? Principal Robert Gilstrap was nearby, hurrying to get students lined up in alphabetical order so they could start. We walked upstairs with them to the stage. You feel like this gets easier? This is not the hard part of this job. This is the easiest part of this job. Yeah. Then the ceremony began. Gilstrap decided to open it by pausing to remember the students who died. Two of our Falcons tragically passed during this school year. Please join me in a brief moment of silence to honor the memories and families of Josie Cox and Jaden Carter. We watched hundreds of seniors walk across the stage, including Tristan Bailey. Despite his worries, he did not trip. No one tripped. The seniors were smiling, dressed in press, with long nails, brightly colored hair, and green bow ties that matched their green graduation robes. When audience members were told to, please hold your applause, they yelled louder. At the end, the graduates threw their caps in the air, triumphant. I hereby confirm that the seniors in class of 2023, whose names are now presented to me, are now graduates of Huguenot High School. The ceremony ended around 5.15. Most people left out the front entrance, but we'd had a long reporting day. Hannah asked if we could leave around the side to avoid the crowd. We were about a block away from the theater, next to a large parking lot. We'd started talking about what to eat for dinner when we heard a series of pops. What the fuck? That sounded like gunshots. From the newsroom of the Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Sabi Robinson. 
It's Friday, November 17th. Again, today is the final episode of our series, Surviving to Graduation. Definitely go back and listen to the previous two episodes if you haven't done that yet. In the last episode, you heard from my colleague, education reporter Mariah Belinget. For the past year, she and I have been working on a story with another education reporter, Hannah Natanson, about Richmond Public Schools. It's a district managing high levels of community violence. We focused our reporting on one of the high schools that ended up having a particularly tragic school year. And during the course of a semester, we saw staff working overtime to support students after outbreaks of gun violence. We went back to Richmond one last time for graduation, expecting to chronicle the catharsis people felt after making it through such a difficult year. That feeling wouldn't last long. As you'll hear, what happened after Huguenot's graduation was the final straw for some educators. It made others reassess their efforts to keep students safe, and it pushed some to keep trying everything they could. As we were walking away from graduation, we heard that series of pops. We weren't sure what they were, but all of a sudden, we saw dozens of people streaming towards us from the direction of the theater. We couldn't really make out what they were saying, but they looked worried. A few people were dragging large bunches of balloons behind them. One person in a graduation gown was yelling into their phone, asking someone where they were. About a minute later, we heard a police siren. Do you want to ask this person? Excuse me, were those were those gunshots? Yeah. Fuck, dude, what the fuck? We started to realize it could have happened right outside the theater. A pair of police cars screeched past us. Car alarms were going off. People were screaming and running at this point. A woman passed us, carrying a kid in one arm and her heels in the other. Hannah and I started heading to the car, but Mariah wanted to see what was going on. Oh my God. Wait, where is Mariah going? Okay, one thing she I sprinted know. away from us in the direction of the theater, toward the shooting. Mariah, wait! Mariah went to the parking garage next door and climbed the stairs. She recorded herself as she ran. Okay, I'm up here on the second floor of this parking garage. Oh my God, there's a man, there's somebody down. There's somebody down. A horrifying scene was unfolding just a floor below her, in front of the theater. And another warning, this next part is pretty graphic. We found out later that Huguenot school resource officer Willie Ruffin had rushed towards the chaos. He told us that he was standing inside the building, congratulating students when he heard the shots. He ran outside to help, and drew his gun. Several people had been shot. Ruffin said he could see a student he knew sprawled on the ground. It was Sean Jackson, a senior who had just graduated. Sean's stepfather, Renzo Smith, was also on the ground. It looked like both of them had been shot. I asked anyone they saw the shooter. No one uh, really responded. It was just like they're crying and screaming around the bodies. And so I just said, hey, I know Sean, so let me just see what I can do. So I holstered up my weapon, and I just started trying to do any medical attention I could. Ruffin knew Sean. He would check up on Sean whenever he saw him in the hallway. 
Ruffin thought the paramedics wouldn't be able to get there until the scene was secured. So he and a counselor standing nearby knelt to give Sean and his stepfather CPR. I'm, you know, doing CPR pretty much right now and um, chest compression. So she's doing chest compressions. I'm trying to, you know, clog the holes and, and, and compress so the blood can stop coming out. I feel his pulse again is getting more faint. So I know, you know, we don't have much time to do anything if we can't stop the bleeding. Gilstrap told us later that he was right next to Ruffin. He wanted to help too. He knew he had to clear the area for medics to come through. So he tried to lead one of Sean's friends away from the scene, a young man who'd been hugging Sean, who wouldn't let him go. He just kept on saying, you can't make me leave, I'm not leaving. And I, and I, I said, look at me. And he, he finally looked at me and I said, I'm not trying to make you leave. But if you go any farther forward, they're going to make you leave. And if you need to be here, just stand here with me, like we're talking right now. And you can ignore me, but you can stand here until everything's better. And he finally did. And he finally just kind of took it all in, I guess. The ground around Gilstrap was covered in abandoned caps, gowns, sashes, balloons, shoes, and flowers. And then there were also shell casings. I was just looking at the, what was all over the ground was the yellow stoles from all my students were just all over the ground. And I, it was driving me crazy. I couldn't stand it. And so I just started going, picking up as much stuff as I could off the ground that I thought was important. The ambulances came and got Sean, his stepfather, and the other people injured. The alleged shooter had tried to run away from the theater, but security from the university apprehended him. Some students who were emerging from the theater asked Ruffin whether Sean was okay. Some of them were seeing me outside and they like, Ruffin, how's he doing? You know, Sean, how's he doing? And I'm like, he lost a lot of blood and it doesn't look good. That's all I can tell you. I mean, I knew already. But I just wasn't going to do that to them. There were people fleeing back to their cars. While Mariah was looking at the scene from the parking garage, Hannah and I decided to go back to the car to wait for her in a place that felt safe, or at least safer. Where are you right now? We're by the rental car. We called our editors at the Washington Post to let them know what happened. About the same time, Mariah made it back to the car. She ran straight into my arms for a hug. Okay, Mariah. Oh, my. It's okay. Was it a kid? No, I don't know. <laughs> I thought they oh had God, this. You guys, I'm so sorry. I had to be there to do that. I want you guys to be safe. We climbed into the car. We couldn't go anywhere. The whole area had been shut down by police. We started texting and calling everyone we knew who was at the graduation to check if they were okay. Everyone got back to us pretty quickly. No one we knew had been shot or hurt. Some people reached out to us before we could call them, like Tristan's mom. Angela Ransom Jones also texted us, and we called her back to check in. She's the district's director of culture, climate, and student services. Even after everything Jones has seen in her job, after every unbelievable thing she's come to accept as normal, she couldn't fathom what had happened. 
Have you had a shooting at a graduation before like this? No, uh uh-uh. We had a a threat of one, and we had to shut down graduation once. That was a couple years ago. But no, we haven't had. This is insane. Huguenot, of all places. What are we, I mean... I mean, this year is so crazy. Yeah. Um... I am, I mean, I know that you guys are doing a story, but I am so, so sorry that this is your experience. Like, this is insane. Yeah. so upsetting. Yeah. So I am genuinely asking you all, as apart from anybody's roles and anything else, if you guys are okay. We're um, not, we're not okay, but we're... We're gonna we're, be okay. We're, we're processing it, yeah. and we're, we have all cried a little bit, um, and I'm sure we'll do that more later. Gilstrap texted us, too. He wrote, Unfortunately, you all are now part of the story. Sean and his stepfather died that day. Five other people were shot, and others were injured. One of the people injured was Sean's younger sister. She was hit by a car as she ran towards her dad, who lay wounded on the sidewalk. She went to a nearby hospital and was released soon after. Police arrested 19-year-old Amari Ty John Pollard. In July, Amari was charged in Sean's death with first-degree murder, according to the prosecutor. Amari's attorney, Jason Anthony, told us that Amari was acting in self-defense when he opened fire that day. No one is charged in the death of Sean's stepfather or for shooting five others at graduation. A district official told The Post that Amari was a student at a Richmond high school, but that he withdrew in 2020. According to Richmond police, Amari and Sean had an ongoing dispute They'd gotten in a fight after the graduation ceremony ended. Amari allegedly went to his car to get a gun. Sean's mom told us that she was shocked when she found out it was Amari who'd been accused. She said that he and Sean were friends. She remembers Amari coming over to their house to hang out. A photojournalist, Parker Michaels Boyce, had accompanied us to graduation that day. He had joined us to take photos of the celebration but he quickly pivoted to capture the aftermath of the shooting. He took a picture of Ruffin, kneeling right by Sean and his stepfather. Ruffin's right knee is inches from Sean's discarded graduation cap and black diploma cover. Sean's stepfather's shirt is stained red. Ruffin's right hand rests on Sean's lower back. Another picture shows Gil strapped mid-stride as medics work on people behind him. Parker even got a photo of Sean, smiling in his graduation gown, minutes before he was shot. He's walking out of the theater doors, diploma cover in hand. He is on a dark green bow tie. It matches his cap and gown. Gilstrap is standing nearby. He's clapping, congratulating Sean and the other graduates. After the break, what happened in the aftermath of this shooting? For the community for the school district, and for all the Huguenot staff and students we've gotten to know. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen.
We left Richmond the next night, but we continued calling staff and students to check in. Tristan Bailey told us a few weeks later that his family was really close to the shooting, that his ears popped because the sound of gunshots was so loud. They all got out safely, but after getting home, Tristan barely left the house for a week. I won't lie and say I, I didn't cry, because I definitely did, because it was a heartbreaking moment. My nerves never calmed. Like, I can say for like an entire week straight, they never calmed. I'm upset that they did it at the time that they did, because there was thousands, hundreds of people there. And the amount of lives that could have been lost is insane. Not only that, he put my own family at, at risk, my life at risk. The week after the shooting, the district opened a family support center where anyone could come for help. In the following weeks, they also tried to call and check in on every graduate. Tristan said that his mom received that call and was told that grief counseling services were available at Huguenot. You can go out to the school. You could talk to them, which I honestly refuse to do because you're, if, if you're in that type of situation, which you guys were there, if you're in that type of situation, your trust issues are probably like through the roof at the moment. You don't trust anybody. It's hard to go anywhere. Paranoid. So I didn't want to go anywhere. Other students were asking for those resources. English teacher Angela Brown told us students reached out to her to share they were feeling panicked, not sleeping well, even having suicidal thoughts. As one student put it, this was our last chance to be together as a class. And now it's going to always be remembered as the day our class made national news. But for once, Brown was having trouble being there for her students. She knew Sean. He was a student of hers. She'd worked hard to help him pass and make it to graduation. And after he died, she wondered whether she might be partially responsible for what happened. He was the third student she knew who died this year. And I talked to Mr. Gilstrom because I had a sense of guilt. You know, maybe if, you know, I hadn't helped him complete some assignments, maybe, you know, if I hadn't given him a little bit more time, then he wouldn't have been graduating. But that wasn't my fault. You know, I was helping him just like I helped every other student. Brown told us that Sean's death felt like the last straw. She won't be able to teach the same way anymore. She can't be as involved in students' lives. It, it hurts too bad. It hurts too bad. So, no, I'm going to love them, but I'm going to love them at a distance. And there's one more change she'll make. Brown has never missed a graduation in her 14 years of teaching. But she said that she will never go to a graduation again. Ever. Huguenot social worker Whitney Wilson had known Sean, too, when we called her the week after the shooting, she was sitting in her healing lounge, the place where Sean and so many others came for support. I've known him since his freshman year. Um, I've worked with both his parents, and I just couldn't believe that somebody came and ruined that whole entire moment for everybody. You startled the entire community. You made it unsafe. And to do this to a person on their graduation in front of their family is heartless. 
We did a video call, but Wilson had decided not to turn her camera on. So instead of showing us, she told us the walls of her healing lounge were bare now. All of the color was gone. Normally, Wilson doesn't take down her decorations over the summer. But this year was different. It was her last year at Huguenot. Wilson was resigning. She'd actually made the decision before graduation. She told us she was leaving because she felt numb. Of course, I have guilt on moving on in the cycle of abandonment and who's going to be able to care for these babies after I leave. Are they going to be able to still care for them in the capacity I did? Um, that is all, you know, um, that enters my mind. And even I even struggle with that right now. I procrastinate on, you know, submitting my resignation letter. But today is the final day, and I'm just going to go ahead and decline my contract and um, officially submit my resignation letter today is because it's time. She had the letter in front of her as we were talking and read it out to us. Dear Richmond Public Schools, um, it is a bittersweet moment as I write this resignation letter. I hope that Richmond Public Schools will dedicate more mental health days to staff who are constantly responding to crises daily. Despite the resources the district already has, she implored the school to hire more therapists and mental health counselors, to hold more training for the staff, and to provide them with more support, too. This is a significant need for school social workers, school counselors, nurses, psychologists, and teachers who are first responders and experience secondary trauma on a daily basis. High employee turnover will continue if the above recommendations for staff are not taken seriously. One of the questions we had from the start was whether the Richmond School District was doing enough. Staff like Wilson wanted more to help students' mental health. After the shooting, officials also wondered whether the district was doing enough to mitigate the violence and to help kids learn. One worry was how to keep graduation safe. Richmond Public Schools investigated what led to the shooting. Sean had been homebound for part of high school, meaning that for the majority of junior and senior year, he wasn't attending school in person. He took classes from home, including Angela Brown's English class. We actually obtained that internal investigation by Richmond Public Schools, which said Sean was homebound with mental and emotional challenges. And according to a local news station, CBS 6, Sean's friends had an ongoing dispute with another group. Officials worried it could lead to violence. According to that same report, a counselor approved Sean's attendance at graduation. In early November, the school board changed how homebound students could be approved to participate in school activities. Now the principal, superintendent, or a representative of the superintendent are the only people who can make these decisions. A spokesperson for the school district told us that this new policy is just one part of a broader strategy to keep students safe. She said, quote, it will take the entire community coming together to protect our children. We heard that from a lot of people, that keeping students safe requires the help of people outside of schools. Parents and school administrators called on politicians to back stricter gun policies. Until a few years ago, Virginia gun laws were relatively lax. But Democrats took over the state government in 2019, and now it actually has stronger gun laws than a lot of the country. Background checks are required for anyone who wants to buy a gun. You have to be at least 18 to own one. Virginia also has a red flag law 
that says the state can take away guns from people who pose an immediate threat. Still, some people say not enough has been done. After a six-year-old shot his teacher in Newport News in January, Democrats called for stricter legislation. It would require gun owners to lock up their weapons when children are present. The measures failed. This year, Virginia passed almost no new gun laws. As we started to wrap up our reporting at Huguenot, it became clear just how much was outside of the control of schools. They can try teaching kids empathy and conflict resolution. They can try teaching them how to process their emotions and control their anger. They can mediate conflicts and move fighting students to different schools. But in a community awash with guns, these violence prevention efforts will only go so far. How the Huguenot community can move forward after such a tough year is largely up to the principal, whoever is leading the school. And this school year, that isn't Gilstrap. A month after the shooting, we called him, and he told us he was also resigning. He took a job in the state's Department of Education. It's hard to be a high school principal. And uh, it's not when I say hard, I think people think, oh yeah, it's hard to lift 200 pounds off the ground. That's hard to do too. But I don't mean that kind of hard. I mean, it's like all consuming, lonely, um, emotionally disruptive, physically debilitating. He said that talking with us about all the school's tragedies and all the trauma he'd been through made him rethink whether he wanted to keep doing his job. It also made him realize he needed help. For the first time in his life, he went to therapy. I think it, this doing this with you all uh, solidified that I was ready to move away from being a principal. Some of the discussions that we had and definitely some of the things that I talked about and experienced over the last couple of years. I think it's too much sadness. He told us that he isn't sure the school district can do enough with what they have. They're fighting against so many problems outside of their control. I do think that these supports help, but they don't, they don't erase, they don't erase all the damage from all the trauma and the setbacks. Um, but poverty in the city, poverty in our school system, racism, systemic racism across the board in Richmond over the history, they all have damaging effects. Um, they have the, and, and it's not just in, seen in a shooting. Whitney Wilson, now Gilstrap. It was hard to imagine Huguenot without them, without the healing lounge or Gilstrap's office where we'd always find him talking with students. But they couldn't keep doing this work. They'd reached their limit and needed to take care of themselves. Amid his own turmoil, Gilstrap also had a question for us. I know you want to focus this on me, but but I also would like to know what you all experienced. And and we can we can do mine first if you want. But I I've I've been worried about you, both of you. 
Angela Ransom Jones had asked us this too, how we were doing. And a few days after the graduation, the district's lead psychologist actually sent us an email asking whether we needed any support. It felt so strange to be reporting on the district's mental health services, only for them to be offered to us as well. None of us had ever experienced anything like this before, being so close to a shooting. Alongside people we had been reporting on for months, people we knew and cared about. It made it harder to keep reporting this story. People told us they weren't sleeping or eating, and neither were we. We were crying in meetings at work, having trouble speaking to our loved ones about what we went through. Hannah started avoiding crowds. Once, walking near her house, she saw a group of high schoolers wearing graduation robes. She immediately turned around and walked away quickly. Mariah kept flashing back to a moment when she was running away from the theater. A woman in a purple dress fell near her. She felt guilty she hadn't turned back to help. A couple of weeks after the shooting, I went on a walk and accidentally found myself caught in the middle of a street parade. I had a panic attack. Through our reporting, we'd expected to witness how Richmond tries to keep kids safe. We saw that. We saw how administrators had created well-practiced systems and worked through weekends to implement them. We saw how Huguenot was working to keep students safe outside of school, where there was so much they couldn't control. How so many adults, from Officer Ruffin to Whitney Wilson, tried to steer teens away from situations where they could be hurt. But we also saw what happened when those efforts weren't enough. Not enough for Sean. Not enough for Jaden. The district tried to start the latest school year off well. When we checked in with Angela Ransom Jones, she told us about the first day back at Huguenot for Teachers. Mental health facilitators guided conversations. Staff talked openly about their fears and hopes for the new year, and then planned for how to get the school ready. I always had a high sense of urgency for this work. Um, and it, that did not change because of what happened on June the 6th. You know, it, it, it stayed constant, I think, because of the person that I am, not because of the work. I constantly reflect on, is it enough? Is it the right thing? What did we miss? She seemed positive about the year ahead. She said what made her feel the most hopeful was seeing how many people in and outside the district stepped up to help after graduation. Over half a dozen community organizations provided mental health support. Others provided emergency relief supplies. In the light of tragedy, we have seen people come together that haven't been around tables together in a really long time. Um, and so I, I am hopeful by just by what I've seen people come together and speak their truths and and express the desire to build together versus compete. Uh, and so, so I, as long as we can hold on to that space and push in for the long haul, I think there's a lot of chance that we will, we will change outcomes in society. During the first week at Huguenot, administrators tried to bring me excitement, greeting students and staff with cheers and gift bags. Then threats of violence on social media pushed them to cancel the first football game of the season. They put stricter safety policies in place for future sporting events. But when we checked in with staff and students, the semester seemed to be going pretty well so far. 
The varsity football team has been winning a lot lately. They've made it to the playoffs and just won their first playoff game in almost two decades. There are new security measures. They have more unarmed security officers stationed in the school. They're checking student and staff bags every day at the door. Angela Brown is now teaching freshmen, and she loves it. She told us that she feels like she's in a position to really make a change by working with the students right when they start at Huguenot. And everyone we spoke with who's still there told us that the interim principal, Mike Massa, has infused a lot of positive energy and school spirit into the community. He was an assistant principal at Huguenot last year before stepping into Gilstrap's shoes. As students leave the building every day, he reminds them that the staff loves them and wants them to be safe. And he's taken Gilstrap's open-door policy a step further. He actually has his desk stationed in the hallway. We also found out that the police department rotated Ruffin to another unit. He told us that it's because someone had requested him. This means that he isn't working at Huguenot or in schools anymore. But he told us that he's still in contact with the staff there and will try to help the school resource officers when he can. He also helped provide security at some football games this season. To stay connected with students, he wants to continue the after-school fitness program that he normally runs. A lot of the reason he wants to keep working with young people, like Sean and Jaden, is because he sees himself in them. Ruffin doesn't judge them, no matter what they were involved in before their deaths. He grew up in a rough part of the Bronx and has seen friends and loved ones stumble down the wrong path. I've been in those kids' shoes, and then now I'm on the other side trying to steer them from that. It sounds like you don't, you don't ever write kids off. I, I don't. I don't have that. Um, I don't have that luxury. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because nobody wrote me off. You know. I think, like I said, my experiences, my unique experiences, don't allow me to write people off. I don't have that right to do that to people. So, I'm just not going to. Sorry. Sorry. Um, like this job has enough trauma in it to make people, I think the way we deal with it a lot of times is that we try to numb ourselves to human emotion and feeling. And it, somehow we think that that makes us do our job better. But I don't, I totally disagree with that. I think you do your job better when you remain human in the midst of all of this. And is it very difficult to be human when you see tragedy after tragedy or trauma after trauma? Yes, it is extremely hard to do that. But you have to find a way to do that because someone is counting on you to show up unbiasedly to help them or to to mentor them or to step in in their most crucial part of their life, the most critical part of their life and provide a light that they don't see for themselves sometimes. That's the thing about the people at Huguenot. When students arrive on campus, many of the staff try to not see a preordained future for them regardless of where they come from or what baggage they bring. They can't help students if they write them off as delinquents or beyond redemption. And they keep choosing to see the good in students because they can't afford to stop, even after getting their hearts broken again and again. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. 
Today's show was reported by me and my colleagues, Hannah Natanson and Mariah Belinget. I also produced this episode. It was edited by Rena Flores and Adam Kushner. Copy editing by Jordan Melendrez. Photography by Parker Michaels Boyce. Photo editing by Mark Miller. Designed by Jennifer Reed. Thanks to Renita Jablonski, Maggie Penman, April Bethea, Olivia Diaz, Karina Elwood, Krista Thompson, and Mike Semmel. This show is mixed by Sean Carter. The Post Reports team includes Maggie Penman, Rena Flores, Ted Muldoon, Martine Powers, Monica Campbell, Robin Amer, Eliza Dennis, Alana Gordon, Ariel Plotnick, Bishop Sand, Arjun Singh, Jordan Marie Smith, Rennie Svernovsky, Emma Talkoff, Sean Carter, and Renita Jablonski. Our intern is Trinity Webster-Bass. We spent months reporting this episode, really trying to dig deep into the struggles and triumphs of one school. More than 50 people spent hundreds of hours with us, telling us their stories. There are a lot of voices who didn't make it into the podcast, but who deeply informed our reporting. We really appreciate that so many opened up and shared their insight and experiences with us. It's also work that takes time and effort and a lot of people to make. So the best way to show your support for the show and this series is to subscribe to The Washington Post. And you'll get access to the kind of in-depth journalism you just heard here. You can do that by going to WashingtonPost.com slash subscribe. I'm Sabi Robinson. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen.